Hey everyone, on our off weeks from This Queer Book Save My Life, we have for you new episodes of The Gailey Show, which we produce for AM 950 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I hope you enjoy while I finish editing next week's new episode of This Queer Book Save My Life. Welcome to The Gailey Show, where we celebrate LGBTQ culture and entertainment, both in Minnesota and beyond. I am your host, J.P. Derbogosian. James Rocco is back with the Broadway Songbook in a special Valentine's edition. The Broadway Songbook ran for seven seasons at the Ordway Center for Performing Arts and has found a new home at Park Square Theater. James, join me to talk all about this Valentine show running at Park Square February 16th through the 18th. Joining me now is James Rocco. James, welcome to The Gailey Show. Hey, JP, how are you? I'm good. I'm well. I'm well. So, okay, the Broadway songbook, Valentine's edition. Are we still into love? Is love still a thing in 2024? (laughs) It is for me, I have to say. Uh, I'm in love with love. I, uh, I, I, you know, I think love is a huge concept. It's not just about romantic love uh, between two people. It's about love of family and uh, love of your friends. And uh, maybe even like love of flowers or love of your hobbies, love of what you do for a living. I, I know I'm in love with the work that I do. Um, and that's what we're going to explore. What, what is love about and how did it, how was it expressed in Broadway musicals? Broadway musicals tend to, their music occur, the music occurs in a musical when you can no longer speak. The emotions are so big, you have to oh, sing. And that. Those are the kind of love songs I'm looking for is why did this character sing and why couldn't they speak it? Well, they had to sing because the emotion was huge. I like it. I like how you frame it that way. So the Broadway Songbook is an institution of the Twin Cities. This is a Valentine's edition. So what should folks ex- uh, expect rather when they when they show up for the evening? Well, this is really a reunion show for the Broadway Songbook. Raymond Berg, who was the original musical director here in the Twin Cities, who together with myself did it for seven years at the Ordway. Uh, When I left the Ordway in 2017, the series moved away from the Twin Cities. I, I continue to do, I've been doing the series for about 25 years. So I brought it to the Ordway. And then when I left the Ordway, I did it in other locations. Um, I have been doing a songbook series, but it wasn't focused on Broadway. So in the Twin Cities, I've been doing a songbook series. It's mostly been focused on pop music. Park Square mm-hmm. asked if I'd bring back the Broadway editions of the songbook series. And uh, that's what people can expect, a reunion of the classic Broadway songbook series that we did for seven seasons at the Ordway. It's going to have some fantastic performers. It's all performers that have been in the series before. Uh, Asia Parham, who, believe it or not, worked in the box office at the Ordway and came to me one day and said, you know, I sing. And of course, you know, people do that all the time. Yeah. And the next thing I know, she had sent me an email with a link to her singing some kind of um website where you could sing along to karaoke tracks and she was amazing so i invited her to be part of the songbooks 
back at the Ordway. Jennifer Eckes is joining us. She was one of the first people I met in the Twin Cities, and she's glorious. She can sing everything from jazz to opera and has wow. appeared all over the Twin Cities. Uh, also, Andy Wachowski, who is one of the stars of the Minnesota Opera, and uh, he was in one of the very, very, very first songbooks uh, that we were trying out at the Ordway. In fact, before we really started the series. And then he was so busy in with his opera career that we were never able to get him back. And he's agreed to come back and do this. Uh, Cameron Wright, who is a young person who is, do you know Cameron by any chance? I don't, you should, I don't. you should interview Cameron. He, he is the son of Tanya Hughes Kendricks and Tanya was playing the fairy godmother in our production of Cinderella. And she, she too said, you know, I have a son who sings and you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and then Cameron came and sang for me and I, my jaw fell to the ground. I have rarely met a young person who was so refined and wow. graceful and elaborate at the same time in his singing, in their singing. And he, amazing, just an amazing young person. And uh, people loved their performance. So I'm so glad Cameron's coming back. He actually lives in New York right now. And, but he's coming back to join us. That's and he wonderful. goes by numerous pronouns uh, and is a, fascinating, contemporary, brilliant young person. I, I just love him. And rounding out the cast is Hope Nordquist, who you may know. She, uh, she too identifies uh, with numerous pronouns and they often host drag night at the saloon okay. as well as performs in theaters all around this area. Also, uh, uh, an alumni of the Songbook series was in Wonderful. Rebels on Broadway, one of the last songbooks we did at the Ordway. Oh, I cannot wait to see Hope. Yeah. In fact, I see her later today for the first time in a long time. That's lovely. So how does it work then? So are you like on stage as like an MC and then introduce the songs or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a long history of working in the music industry and, and in the theater. And so I have a lot of anecdotes about these songs and I bring them to the stage with me, talk about the backgrounds of the songs and uh sometimes even some personal details, some of my own personal relationships mm. with the songs. And then either I sometimes sing or uh, one of the guests sing. And uh, it's a full evening that kind of runs, this one will run the gamut of love songs from very early uh, times on Broadway, including songs, a song from Showboat and My Man that was made famous by Fanny Bryce and the Zigfield Follies, all the way up to contemporary times. Andy's gonna do music of the night from Phantom. It's gonna be glorious. What is your favorite song, the one that's the most special to you in the in the Broadway songbook? Uh, in this particular edition of the Broadways, well, you know what? I'm singing a Stephen Sondheim song called What More Do I Need, 
which is a song about living in a city and the city feeling kind of, oh, alien and unloving and uncaring. And then you meet someone and all of a sudden this dirty window pane becomes the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. And I am particularly fond of that song. I first heard Liz Calloway sing it and I'm thrilled that I get to sing it. That's my favorite one, but don't tell the others. <laughs> so obviously the show is called The Gayly Show. What is the gayest show in or the gayest song rather in the Broadway songbook? Uh, oh geez. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably you know, a loaded I, question. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if that's a loaded question because I mean I I've obviously been gay a very long time. <laughs> And all of this music I relate to, all of this music seems to make sense because I don't think love is exclusive to your sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. I think love is about love and I wish more people would just understand that, that it's not exclusive to any group. Um, but I, you know, all of them make sense to me. I change the, the, the pronouns all the time. I love that. I love that. Well, James Rocco, you have a standing invitation to join us anytime you've got new work coming out. Congratulations on the Broadway songbook. We're thrilled to bring it back to the Twin Cities and we're looking forward to Park Square being our home. So maybe I'll see you regularly. Maybe you'll bring on some of the singers sometime. Absolutely. So folks, head over to parksquaretheater.org for more information and for more tickets. Uh, James, thank you for being here today. You're, you're a doll. For tickets and more information for the Broadway songbook, visit parksquaretheater.org. Talene Voscuni's debut queer novel, Sorry Bro, released last year to really lovely reviews. Now Talene's back with the upcoming queer rom-com La Vache at First Sight. When I found out, I had to book her on the show to talk all about it. Well, joining me now is Talene Voscuni. Talene, you are one of my favorite people in the world to talk to, so welcome to The Gailey Show. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I wish that we always that we could have more time to talk. So my first question, and I want to cut right to the chase here, because in your last novel, Sorry Bro, which came out last year, and I highly recommend that people read it, but your upcoming novel, Lavash at First Sight, so what's the steamy scene here? Because in Sorry Bro, you had this like very, very steamy scene making coffee. So in Lavash at First Sight, what are we looking for here? Oh, well, you're in luck because there is literally a steam in the steamy scene. It takes place in a bathhouse in <gasps> Chicago, a Roman style bathhouse. So there's this real place. Oh, my God. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And I thought, I have just got to have this as a setting in my book. So it is where the first kiss takes place. And it is just like candles and water and salt and literal steam just dripping off the walls. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> that that is what you have to look forward to. Okay. Okay. Well, so lavash is for all the non-Armenians watching and listening. Lavash is an Armenian bread. So take us through why is it called lavash at first sight? What is this novel about? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a very food centric novel. It's two families that own Armenian packaged food businesses. So they make lavash, they make hummus, they make falafel, like Armenian, Mediterranean, Lebanese, Armenian types of food, Monty. Um, and they go to Chicago for a food conference. And these two families end up in a Super Bowl, in a competition to win a spot on a Super Bowl ad, a huge deal that could change the course of both their company's, you know, trajectories. And our main character, Ellie, Nazeli, she goes by Ellie, doesn't actually work for the family business. She works in tech. She's climbing the corporate ladder. She's like all about her PowerPoints and her key stakeholders and all that and reluctantly agrees to go to her parents, you know, of conference in Chicago. Little does she know, though, she meets this gorgeous, fascinating, fun woman named Vanya who works for her parents' company. And so they immediately hit it off. It's like a like at first sight kind of trope. They're just like have banter. They're having fun. But then they went, they go on a date that night, they come back, and who do they run into but both their parents who know each other and hate each other. So they're uh -oh. rivals. They have rival family, Armenian family food business. So it's all about them in the competition. It's about the two women falling, you know, for each other, going on these fun dates and keeping it secret from their parents. <laughs> So that's that's love the book. It. Love it. Well, I'm really looking forward to reading this. If I recall correctly, one of the times that we had talked in a previous interview, uh, you said you loved Chicago. So why did you want to set the novel in Chicago? Yeah, it's a, I lived in Chicago for a year and it was probably the best year of my life. And I just I feel so deeply for the city and the Midwest, too. We traveled as much as possible, you know, around the Midwest, including um, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, and, and I I just I don't know. There's something about the Midwest that speaks to me. So I want to set my book in Chicago and I thought it would be so fun for them both to be visiting it. So they get to see it from a tourist's eyes. Um, it is fresh and new and like surprising for a Californian who's never been there. Just kind of the way I felt when I first moved to Chicago. So that was, that was why. And I put all my favorite things in it. So speaking of favorite to kind of come back to my first question, the Roman bathhouse. So this is a real location. What's the name of it? It is called is it called no it's not called aqueduct you know i kind of forgot i i think i <laughs> called it aqueduct fictionally and now i can't remember the name but if you search roman bathhouse chicago it will come up it will come up beautiful and so and, and sorry bro you had a coming out journey but in lavasha for sight it sounds like they're both just out ready to go Yes, exactly. So in Sorry Bro, you know, I needed to write the Armenian coming out story. I felt like it hadn't been written in a commercial way. Um, and I personally, just for my own journey, my own self, I needed to write it. So now once I wrote it, I didn't really need to re-examine it. And I want to think, okay, what would be the next step if this Armenian woman had come out to her family and they, you know, they, they accept it. But I was like, what would be realistic? You know, not every Armenian family is going to just welcome them with open arms and a rainbow, yeah. you know, cake. Um, so I kind of had her parents who are quite religious. They accept it. They love her. They love their daughter more than anything. Um, they're still they reluctantly accept it. They're like, oh, you know, if that's really you, that's fine. But if you find a man, that'd be great. Um, so that's kind of where, <laughs> where, where she's at. However, you know, the bigger roadblock instead of her bisexuality is the fact that this woman, Vanya, uh, her parents are the enemies of Ellie's parents. So I wanted that to be the bigger, the bigger conflict. 
for folks who are listening, they may not know, and we'll share right now. So uh, as the founder of The Queer Armenian myself, I can say that Talin's first novel, Sorry Bro, was the very first queer Armenian rom-com. And now with La Vash at First Sight, you have the second ever uh Armenian, queer Armenian rom-com. So you also are a historical uh, figure <laughs> we're talking with today within queer Armenian literature. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, we're still in a phase where there are firsts and seconds, uh, but you are part of this wave that's happening right now. Over the past like five seven, eight years, we've been having kind of this explosion of queer Armenian writing. So you Share with us a little bit about what that's like for you as a writer. Yes. Yeah. You must be feeling it, JP, because you managed, you know, you created the Queer Armenian Library. So you must just be seeing this influx and it's beautiful. I think it's because the uh, the world audiences are ready. Finally, all these queer people for years, for decades, you know, have been wanting to tell their stories. Forget decades, you know, centuries. Um, and they mm. have been able to in, you know, in pockets and in, in certain ways. I'm on, I don't want to say nobody ever did. There are many queer stories for, you know, um, but I think more recently, Recently, audiences, publishers have been much more receptive because there's an audience market now. So I do think that if I wrote the exact same story, sorry, bro, 10 years ago, maybe even like six years ago, um, it would not have gone published. Exact same book, word for word. And that's because there wasn't the shelf space for it. And now there is. And I, th- I am so grateful. You know, not everything in publishing is perfect still. You know, of course, there's always room Mm-mm. for improvement, <laughs> a lot of room for improvement. But I, I do want to acknowledge that we are making strides. Like we, things have changed for the better, and there's, you know, there's more to go. But I'm happy that uh, that that we have this now. That you know, these fun queer stories can be told also, not just queer pain, which is very valid, and those stories need to be told. But these books, especially my second book, Lavash at First Sight, is just fun like it's just for fun um and I'm, I'm glad we have that i love that you know queer joy is definitely a theme and needs to be a you know vantage point you know i know a lot of people are about i've been asking you know myself and i've been asking other folks like what brings you queer joy and i'm really happy that we have lavash at first sight uh coming up here it is on pre-order it comes out in may <laughs> you got it may 7th May 7th. And folks can pre-order that. And our bookstore, it is currently on sale. We are powered, our bookstore is powered through bookshop.org. So you can, we'll put links in the show notes on our website. It is bookshop.org slash shop slash this queer book. Talene, in the novel, do they actually make lavash? Because that is a very special process. <laughs> yes, they do. Though not oh, in really? the pages of the book. They have the lavash already made. But you're right, with the with the toner, the the classic way of making it with those clay ovens is just so so beautiful and tradition heavy, you know, just all these centuries of doing it the same way. Wonderful. Well, the book is Lavash at First Sight. Talene Voskuni, you have an open invitation to join us here any time on The Gailey Show. Oh my gosh, that would be my pleasure. Thank you. You can pre-order Lavash at First Sight right now, and we have it on sale through our bookstore on bookshop.org. Go to bookshop.org slash thisqueerbook. Coming up this Saturday, February 17th at Lush Lounge and Theater is Born Loud with Dina Nina. Dina Nina made history in 2023 when she became the first 
transgender member of the Madison, Wisconsin Common Council. She's also a hilarious stand-up comedian, speaker, and actor. In Born Loud, Dina shares her story of growing up in Texas and moving from Los Angeles to Madison, Wisconsin. She spills the tea on all the men she's loved and tells us the very moment she knew she'd become a woman, joking it was like having a quinceanera on a city bus. Born Loud is full of touching accounts of the ups and downs and the numerous coming outs of Dina's journey to find self-love. Born Loud this Saturday, February 17th at 7 p.m. Tickets are $25 with a portion of the proceeds being donated to Outfront Minnesota. For more information, head to lushmpls.org. Before we go, I wanted to share this new book for fans of Schitt's Creek. It is called You Are My Happy Ending, Schitt's Creek and the Legacy of Queer Television by Emily Garside. This nonfiction book takes you through the incredible journey of Schitt's Creek from a very small beginning on the CBC to becoming the first comedy ever to win all of the major Emmy rather awards for a comedy show in a single year. Emily Garside breaks down the series, showing how it mixed classic romantic comedy and sitcom elements. She explores Schitt's Creek's very Canadian roots and how it cleverly includes references from literature like Brideshead Revisited and cinema, including Hitchcock's The Birds. And how, despite being a light comedy, Schitt's Creek takes on a very activist perspective. This book is clearly written by a fan of the show, but brings some very fresh analysis to it. You Are My Happy Ending, Schitt's Creek and the Legacy of Queer Television by Emily Garside is out now. And don't forget that on February 23rd, Randy Rainbow for President, presented by Live Nation Presents, will be at the State Theater one night only. Tickets available at hennepintheatertrust.org. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Our podcasts are executive produced by Jim Pounds. Creative and accounting support provided by Gordy Erickson. Production, distribution, and marketing support provided by Britt Johnson, Chad Larson, Laura Hedlund, and Jennifer Ogren from AM950. You can follow us on social media. Up next is a new episode of Twin Cities Pride Amplified. And until our next episode, see you queers and allies in the bookstores. <laughs>